Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm with Rachel Davies, who's the vintner of Stella Reese and the proprietor of Stella Reese Handbags. She's also a resident of Angwin, California, which is located in the Napa Valley. Rachel, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Yeah, this is going to be um, a really interesting show um, because not only are you interesting, but your life has been significantly altered because of the fires in the Napa Valley. So I just kind of want to jump right in and, and talk about that if we can. Sure, yeah. How has your life been affected? <laughs> it's been a pretty exciting week. It's never a dull moment. <laughs> so we are evacuated. Um, from Angwin, the entire town of Angwin and Deer Park, including the hospital and the college, are evacuated. Um, oh, so oh we're, yeah, so we're in Calistoga temporarily, um, and we don't know how long we'll be evacuated for. So is this the first time a fire has affected your life with an evacuation? No, um, we have had fires every single year for the last five years. Um, starting with the 2015 Valley Fire, we actually lost a home in Middletown, our, our, our rental property, um, during that fire. And um, we have never had a mandatory evacuation, but we have had advisory evacuations in the 2017 fire. Uh, and we left for about a week and a half. Um, but this one is mandatory and they are um, getting everyone off the hill. The fire is really close on um, two sides. So, um, and there's only one way in and out of our town at, at the moment. Um, so they're trying to get uh, everyone as far away as possible. You are a wife and mother. How has this affected your life? Moving your kids around, uh, we're in the middle of COVID-19 as well. So how has all of this impacted not only your personal life, but your professional life? It's been pretty wild. I mean, aside from the fact that we're in a pandemic and we're going to be distance learning with our um, for school with the kids, and that was supposed to be starting this week, um, being displaced, and we're lucky that we found a wonderful place to land temporarily, but um, it feels like it's just been one thing after another. We got here and the dog got sprayed by a skunk and then the <laughs> nine-year-old fell and hit his head and had to go get stitches. So there was an emergency room visit. Um, so I feel like we're a little, we're a little discombobulated. <laughs> um, <laughs> you poor thing. We're, we're really fortunate. I'm, I'm thrilled that we're in Calistoga. This is my hometown. My kids are getting the opportunity to ride their bikes around town, and my, my mom and sister are here, so we've had a lot of really good family time. We've been having barbecues and sitting outside and being together six feet apart with family, and um, that's been really wonderful. But it's pretty hard to have any sort of routine um, 
and boundaries, you know, with being in somebody else's space and people who are working around us. So um, we have not kind of gotten our groove yet with what we're doing. Um, and, and every day is a new day, a new challenge. Um, but we've, we've kind of got to get stuff figured out here. Are they going to go to school? The school, whole school was evacuated. So I don't even know if we'll actually be starting on Wednesday. Um, so there's a lot of just like, um, take it as it comes. A lot of good family time. We've been um, sharing a lot of meals and uh, drinking a lot of wine. <laughs> there you go. Well, you mentioned that you are a native of the Napa Valley, Calistoga. How was it growing up in the valley? Oh, it was wonderful. Calistoga is such a great town, and it's just a tiny little village, one stoplight. Um, I must, much of my family was here in town. I have dear friends that, um, you know, my, my best friend, we've been friends since kindergarten. Um, so I, I feel like growing up in a town like this, we, it was safe and we had the run of the place and could do pretty much anything we wanted. We had horses to ride and creeks to play in and vineyards to run around in. It's pretty great. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Are you concerned with the fires that the valley is going to lose some of that beauty? Well, it already has in the last fires in the last couple of years. You, Mount St. Helena is completely scorched from the fire in 2017. And then again, last year, another fire came around. So right. it sure has changed the landscape. Um, but um, an interesting thing about vineyards is that they make a pretty good fire grape. So the vineyards don't usually um, burn and they stay green. So I don't know that it's aesthetically going to look so different, but every year when late summer fall comes around and there's a lot of smoke, I, I can't think that that's a great thing for tourism and it's not healthy for, you know, people to be breathing. And um, so it's, it's definitely changing the landscape in a way. Right. We were talking a few minutes ago that the firefighters have actually made some headway over, over the last few days that the containment's up. Are you optimistic that they'll get the situation under control and you'll be able to go home soon? Um, I want to be optimistic about it. Um, we are in the middle of a red flag warning and they're a little concerned about this, um, la this next round of dry lightning um, and wind. We have not seen it. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to be what they were predicting or forecasting, but, but that's in effect until the end of, it, of the day today. So we're a little bit riveted and on the edge of our seats kind of watching what happens. At the moment for where I live, there are two major um, firefights going on. One to the north at Etna Springs, which is just really close to um, Angwin and um, very close to where the wine I just bottled is stored. <laughs> we, oh, no. We didn't even get it out of the winery. We just bottled last week. Um, and then um, up on the other side on Pope Valley. And with all these fires, resources are spread really thin and there just isn't enough um, equipment and um, person power to fight the fires in the way that they would want to with a fire of this um, magnitude. So what's really incredible and what's, um, what's kind of saving things right now is the grassroots effort where all these vineyard managers and these um, 
people who have had ranches and family farms in these uh, rural parts of this area for generation after generation are fighting to save the family land and they're fighting to save Angwin and Pope Valley from burning up. And so it's just a bunch of good old boys on their tractors and, and bulldozers and they're plowing lines and they have all the vineyard equipment and they have water trucks and they're fighting this fire with, um, is without not a lot of support from CDF and other firefighters in certain areas, just because they're needed in so many places. The right. perimeter, the perimeter of this fire is huge. It and, is. Um, and while they've made headway on it, there's just so many places that it's just still burning. And luckily most of that is wildland, but, um, eventually it's got to be dealt with. So, yeah, I'm looking at a, a Cal fire report that says nearly 300,000 acres has been burned in the Lake Hennessy fire, and they've got 26% contained in that fire. It's just incredible, the, the, like you said, the magnitude of these fires. They're so, so, so big. It's not like one acre is burning. No, it's massive, and it's just one of um, 300 fires that are burning right now right. in Northern California, and there are 60 of them in our area and many of them have merged together to make these really huge fires but um some of the fires that are burning very near us santa cruz and healdsburg are right. much more populated areas and so the possible loss of life and um of homes is i think bigger there we have a lot more wildland and so um they're getting a little bit more of the air support and when it's really smoky like this, they can't use the helicopters and planes as much as they'd like. Right. So we're we're all sharing a very limited resource to try and deal with this. Well, let's move the conversation in a, a little bit lighter sure. topic. When you are at home, if I took a step inside your home, what would I see? What's your decorating style? <laughs> I'm optimistic you'll be going home soon. Oh, good. Well, I, I look forward to it. Um, we have a pretty eclectic style. I collect antiques and I love um, pieces with a story. So my house has a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but inevitably, just because of the business I'm in, there are usually stacks of wine, cases of wine, you know, in the living room and handbags uh, hanging on hooks everywhere. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, stuff coming in and out. Um, but, but we're pretty, um, eclectic people, fun conversation pieces, neat art. I really love art and I'm fortunate to have some really beautiful paintings and neat pieces of art. Do you have a particular color theme? I do not. I'm a, I really like, um, a very neutral colored wall and then, you know, big, huge piece of art on it or something hanging or, um, you know, I kind of like what's around to bring the color and texture in. Is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you? Do you have a hobby? Do you speak a second language? Do you collect something unusual? I think what people are interested to find out about me is that my heritage, um, my family's from the island of Malta. Uh, my mom is full Maltese, so I'm half. Um, and that part of my life is... Um, very close and near and dear and has a lot of influence in 
the food that I cook and the celebrations that we have as a family and getting to visit Malta. It's a small island in the Mediterranean and it's not a place that um, everyone knows about. So that's always kind of an interesting conversation. Absolutely. I didn't even know that. (laughs) (laughs) So you've surprised me. How did you land in the Napa Valley if your mother is from Malta? My grandparents immigrated from Malta and um, were living in San Francisco and they had a restaurant and they would come to Clear Lake to um, vacation and they would rent a a little cottage on the lake and they would drive through Calistoga and my grandfather loved it and he ended up investing in property here. He had a hotel here for a while and some apartments and homes and um, just that became his his base. And so, um, his kids were raised here. Um, some of my, my, one of my aunts, uh, and my uncle were raised in Malta partially and partially here, but my mom grew up in Calistoga. Um, and so it's just been our, our, he put those roots down and we've been here pretty much ever since. Is there still family in Malta? Yeah. My mom's oldest sister lives in the family home in Malta and then lots of extended relatives um, there. Well, it sounds like a fabulous place to go visit. It is. (laughs) I I wish I could go now. (laughs) Oh, I bet you do. (laughs) I'll go with you. (laughs) Let's just just run away to Malta Uh, right now. (laughs) Yes. White sand Um, beaches and uh, clear blue water and dolphins and yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> it does sound like a piece of heaven and a good place to escape. When you kick back and relax and your kids are put to bed, what kind of music do you like to listen to? My husband is a musician and um, we have a pretty eclectic music collection. Um, we we like all kinds of things and I think it really depends on the mood, but... Um, uh, a couple of years ago, one of our favorite um, bands lost their lead singer, the Tragically Hip. They're a Canadian band. So that's one that's always sort of on the, the rotation around us. Just only got to see them a few times in our lives and, and that can never happen again. Um, but, we're, but we have a, you know, eclectic mix of music depending on the mood. Um, Rhiannon Giddens, we, we like um, kind of folk and... Um, uh, Oh, gosh. We're, we're definitely big music people, so. so. You said your husband is a musician. What kind of music does he play? He is a guitar player, and he um, plays acoustic guitar, and he writes a lot of his own music, so he just kind of comes up with stuff that's, you know, I don't know, his his favorite musicians and a lot of his influence is sort of Led Zeppelin, but he but he definitely leans toward Neil Young and things like that too. So it's kind of all across the board. <laughs> what a fascinating family you are. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to your professional life yet. I can't. <laughs> Other than your own wine, what do you like to drink at home? Well, we've both been in the wine business for quite some time. So we have access to really beautiful wines. But we predominantly make and um, and are in the world of Cabernet, um, and because we have so much of that in our lives, I I like to lean toward um, a 
a Pinot Noir or Grenache is really one of my favorite varietals. It's um, something I'm always seeking Grenache made in a particular way. So um, that's definitely something I look out for and, and enjoy to drink. So you're definitely a wine girl. Yes. <laughs> okay. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. You know you love wine, and with Total Wine & More, you'll always drink interesting. Total Wine & More has a ridiculously large selection of over 8,000 wines. From California to Australia, Bordeaux to Argentina, all the best wine regions in the world can be found in their aisles. Whether you're looking for a rare vintage or something fun and quaffable, Total Wine & More is the place for those who know wine. Well, let's move on to your professional life. Before we talk about what you're doing right now, I've got to ask, what was your first job ever, your first professional job? My first professional job, I actually, my first job ever, I, I um, started working pretty young. I got the idea that making my own money and being able to buy things I wanted for myself um, was a good idea at a pretty young age. I was working for um, a camp um, with kids, a nonprofit, and working with kids. And then later on, that morphed, morphed into um, running a boys and girls club. So it's been, it was nonprofit working with kids. Okay. Which <laughs> prepared you nicely to raise children. <laughs> yes. Today, as we alluded to, you are a bitner, you do have your own brand, but you're also the proprietor of a fabulous handbag business called Stella Reese. Tell me how you got into the handbag business. What started that? Well, it definitely started by accident. Um, I started a wine label in 2007. I started making a Cabernet under the, the name Stellaris, which is my middle name. And um, it's been a collaborative effort with my husband as well. I made the wine for the first six years, and then he came on as winemaker in 2013. Um, and when you have a wine label, you have to be continually selling the wine. There's a lot of restaurants. There's a lot of competition around here. So often when we go out to dinner, we'll bring a bottle of our wine, enjoy it at the table and share it with the wine buyer and, you know, try and try and get a placement in a restaurant. And um, that happened. And I had the wine in my purse and I smashed my glasses. And I thought, you know, if only I had a pocket in my tote bag that could hold the bottle upright, this could be a whole you know, better situation. And so I drew something. I went to art school and I've always loved to draw and I always had a kind of um, eye for fashion. And so I designed a tote bag that had uh, bottle pockets in it. And that um, was created. Um, I, my father had moved to Bangkok um, to golf while my stepmother ran an international school. <laughs> and oh, I, went over, I went over to visit him. And my husband, coincidentally, has an uncle who lives in Thailand in, a, in, a nor in the northern part of Thailand. And my father was in Bangkok. But my dad had connected with him. And when I went to visit, he said, let's go meet Jeff's uncle. I had never met him after you know all these years. And he owns a handbag shop there. Um, they make really different things that, than I do, but they are a production facility. 
And I showed him my drawing and asked if he could make it for me. And he laughed and said, nobody ever carries wine in their purse. This is ridiculous. It's a Buddhist country and they don't hardly even drink over there. So he it just didn't, didn't see that this could be anything. But it came out beautiful. And I shot a picture of it out on Instagram. And I sold 20 of them before I got home. Oh yeah. my gosh. That is how the business started. I just, I have a lot of connections in the wine business. I'm having been in business for a really long time since 2004. Um, and I know people who have, you know, run tasting rooms and I just thought, you know, this could be something it's really different than anything I've ever seen. It could be something to be great, you know, for, for tasting rooms. And so I was able to offer private labeling and start a wholesale um, part of the business. And it was a wonderful start. And um, it kind of started the gears turning and it allowed me the ability to get really creative and design different styles. And then as I learned more about the materials, and as I continued traveling to Thailand to source materials, um, I was getting inspired by the different leathers I was finding. And, um, and so I just started making fashion handbags here and there to just see just test the, the waters and see if people liked them and you know would buy them and it's just um been this really exciting opportunity to be creative and have someone that can produce the the items for me so it's been rolling ever since yeah what a great story on how you got started <laughs> and the fact that you got those 20 orders before you landed back home yeah, yeah, that's, that's amazing. What's really cool about it is that it's just a utilitarian bag. It's a beautiful bag that you don't have to carry wine in. If you are someone like me who carries wine on a regular basis, it works out wonderfully. But we're in the age where everyone carries a water bottle with them. And it's right. the same thing. You can put your water bottle in there. Um, you can put your wallet or your sunglasses or whatever you're toting along, especially when you have kids. You're, you're, you're like a Sherpa. You're carrying everybody's stuff all the time. Right. And it just helps keep things organized. And that is why I think that I've had such success with this business is that um, women who buy these bags really appreciate the functionality of them. And like you said, the quality is there. I would not be putting my name on something if, if it wasn't up to the standards, you know, that I, that I really feel is important. And so we've made sure that all the stress points are re reinforced and the stitching is just, you know, really good quality. We line everything. Um, and it's, really important to me that when you invest in a, a beautiful bag like that, that it just lasts for a really long time. So that is the cornerstone of what I'm doing is the quality and the craftsmanship. It really is superb. So not only are the totes amazing, but you also have, I'm going to call it a fashion line, you know, yes. beautiful leather bags. Where do you get your inspiration? Um, all over really. I mean, travel, I think is what has really sort of inspired me. There were a lot of things that, um, when I was traveling through Europe a couple of years ago, I started thinking about, you know, we're so casual here in wine country. It's, you know, jeans and sundresses and that kind of thing. But, um, I went to Europe a couple of years ago and was just thinking about how, impeccably people were dressed and but but very simple it wasn't overly done but there'd just be some good really cool splash of 
style in there, whether it was a beautiful scarf or a really cool hat or a really great bag, but it was either a splash of color or some, some little um, element of interest. And I started following the idea of this element of interest and like, um, this could be a total functional crossbody bag, but really long fringe on it or um, a great little wristlet in a very, you know, unexpected shape. And so those are the things that I kind of started exploring. And usually I'll draw some things out and we'll make it in canvas um, to see how it feels when you wear it, how it works to put your hand inside. If it can actually hold things, that's really important. All of my stuff is very functional, even if it's really attractive and fashionable, it still needs to work. <laughs> right, know? right. So if somebody's interested in seeing what you have to offer, what's the best way for them to go about doing that? Um, really, my website is the best place to start. And I'm, I'm guilty of wearing too many hats, so I don't always get everything that I design up on the website. There's always some some um, hidden treasures that are stashed in the storage area. <laughs> um, and when, before COVID hit, um, coming to see one of our pop-ups was a way to find the, find the treasures, you know. I'd, I'll bring things with me that I don't have necessarily on the site just because I haven't had time to photograph them and write the descriptions and get them on there. So, you know, oftentimes when there's pop-ups, there there's more than um, than you even know. <laughs> there's always well, well, like you said, there's some hidden surprises, some treasures yeah. to be found. So. Yeah. What's ahead for your handbag business? What are your goals in the next, I don't know, two or three years? Well, I don't really know how to answer that right now. I feel like everything has shifted so much. My business was just skyrocketing before COVID hit. And so much of that had to do with um, the pop-ups that I was doing. I had two people working for me and we were doing events every single weekend. We had ourselves scheduled out um, through the fall, all the summer and through the fall, doing music festivals and art and wine festivals and all kinds of things. So much of what my business model has been had to do with these kind of events, but also um, the wholesale side of things, um, doing uh, merchandise for tasting rooms. And because people aren't going out, that's all slowed down. So it, I'm not quite sure of the, the pivot. Of course, you know, I was able to find some cool vintage fabric and started doing face masks, but it's, that's not my business model. It's not what I'm going to do. It's a way to stay connected to people and um, and uh, kind of have something to offer in the moment. But, right. um, but I want to continue doing what I've been doing. I love it. I love to travel. I love to um, be part of the production. And um, I love designing these bags and people love using them. So I think it's kind of just slowed down and made me um, a little more introspective with what's going on in my life and to focus on my family you know, we're doing distance learning, so I'm having to be part of the kids' schooling where that wasn't the case before. So I think I think the business is not necessarily on hold, kind of, you know, paused a little bit, slow motion maybe. Right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that, that um, things are going to 
change and um, with change, you know, there's all, it brings inspiration. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but I don't have an answer for exactly where I think it, it's going to go. <laughs> or where you want it to go. You're not yeah. because of, of the unique climate we're living in right now. Right. <laughs> well, let's, I'd like to briefly talk about your wine brand. I think that's equally as important and then we'll wrap things up here. Was it inevitable that you would start a wine brand? I mean, living in the Napa Valley? I don't think so. It's pretty hard to do. You know, not everybody gets the series of circumstances that led to my being able to make wine the way that I did. I, I was very fortunate. Um, although the influence was there and the appreciation for wine was there, a perfect storm sort of happened for me to get the opportunity to have my own brand. Um, after working with um, kids and doing nonprofit for a really long time, a friend of mine had a winery called Tea Vine and um, Greg Brown um, had lost his wife and was running his small winery with just one other person. And he asked that I would come on and help him with the consumer direct sales and um, kind of run the front of the house things for the winery. And I did that for a few years and he said, you know, you really got to get into production. And, you know, it was really fun from the, from the moment that I started working with him, learning about making wine and getting my hands dirty and be, being part of it. Um, right. and so he offered me the opportunity to make my own wine. So oh. we scouted some, some vineyards and, right. um, over a beer at the local pub, um, someone overheard us saying, my husband and I saying we were looking for some grapes. And um, they said, you know, we, we know of this place that had a contract with uh, Chateau Montalena and they're not going to use their grapes anymore. And they're just down the street. And we went and checked it out. And we've been making wine off that vineyard ever since. Um, and that was in 2007 with our first vintage. That's a great story, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so how much wine do you guys make? We are probably around 350 cases right. total. Three, it's, that's, I would say, probably pretty average for us. Um, we predominantly make a Cabernet that we do about 250 cases of. And then we have been getting some really incredible Grenache from a vineyard over in Sonoma County. And um, I had a dream for the last 10 years to make Grenache. And um, it's just really hard to find this sort of fruit that I wanted to work with. I wanted right. hillside fruit. I wanted to make it like a Southern Rhone style wine. I wanted to do whole cluster fermentation and carbonic maceration. And um, you just can't do that with the really hot overripe valley floor stuff. Um, so we ended up finding a vineyard and we're able to make three vintages of that wine. And um, it's just, if something happens, if there's shatter in the vineyard and there's, you know, more, um, stems than there than there is um berries then you can't do the whole cluster fermentation or the um yeah the whole cluster fermentation right so um so it's a hit or miss kind of thing and uh and then we made a little chardonnay in 2018 and that was our first time having a white um and that's another one of those things that just if the right opportunity comes along uh, we can make something different, but the cab is what we really focus on and it has been the common thread all these years. What's the price point of your wines? Um, so the Cabernet is $55 a bottle. It's hundred percent Cabernet. It's a 
Napa Valley, Calistoga, Appalachian. Um, and then the Grenache is 45 and the Chardonnay is 35. Those are approachable price points for folks. It's one of my great um, moments of one of my great, well, one of my great, well, yes, for sure. It's a secret, um, more of a secret than we'd like it to be probably. <laughs> well, it might not be a secret anymore after this interview. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is that um, we get, um, we do blind tastings. People include our wine in mm -hmm. blind tastings very often. And um, it's a wine that gets picked out over and over again. And I love that people are so pleasantly surprised by these, you know, $7,500, $125 bottles um, and ours and ours being chosen as a favorite. And they realize it's a $55 bottle of wine. So that makes us feel really good. Um, the margins are slim, but it's the sort of price point we feel like is a good, comfortable range. And we want this to be the the wine that you go to, you know, for your family dinners. And I don't want it to be just a special occasion wine. I want it to be right. tonight's a special occasion. Let's drink this wine because it's delicious, you know. <laughs> yeah. Every day is a special occasion. Yeah, exactly. Where can people learn about or taste your wines? So we um, sell our wine through our website, stellariswine.com, and um, we don't have a tasting facility, um, but we do have access to a place once things sort of cool down around here. We have a place in St. Helena called The Bottle Shop where we can taste by appointment. Sometimes I'll meet people out in the vineyard. Um, but other than that, you know, we, we are mailing list. Um, we're... Definitely in a lot of wonderful restaurants. The French Laundry has been carrying our wine for years. Um, Torque in Napa, um, Solage in Calistoga. So there are places that um, have it available, you know, to have with dinner. But unfortunately, we don't have just a, an easy way to roll in and taste the wine. You've given people a good excuse to go to a restaurant and order. <laughs> Absolutely. Or just simply buy off your website. So. Yeah. Yeah, like we said, there's a nice price point. Yeah, and it's a really it's a really tasty wine. I mean, it, I'm I'm proud of it, proud to put my name on it, and um, feel like we've um, been really consistent over these years and just get better and better at it. <laughs> well, let's wrap things up with five quick questions. You ready? Okay. Sure. Who's your favorite designer? Oh, <laughs> you know that one catches me by surprise because. Um, I have to say, I love the spunky Christian Siriano. I just love the, like the stuff that he's doing and the no holds barred, you know, just super fun out there, um, yet really, um, complimenting a woman's body. Okay. What kind of car do you drive? Um, I drive an infinity. It's kind of a, um, wagon SUV like version of it. Okay. What is the last piece of candy you ate? Oh, um, Dick Taylor chocolate. Okay. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Snoop Dogg, gin and juice. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> and one of your all-time favorite movies. It's got to be The Princess Bride or The Big Lebowski. Okay. Those, those two are hand in hand for me. Okay, Rachel, you <laughs> have been so much fun. 
I'm so glad we had a chance to catch up. Thank you, Michelle. It was really nice talking with you. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.